0: hi and welcome to another kirky free sermons podcast pastor josh how are you today i'm doing fine sean how are you i got a question for you shoot oh i'm doing good i didn't even answer your question that's okay i know when you open up your sermons, I've, I've noticed this for probably at least a year now, mm-hmm. you always say, I'm turning in my Bibles. This is a plural, Bibles. Do I really? You always say that. And I've often thought, and I never even looked to see, does he have two Bibles? Three? Four? How many Bibles does this guy have? But he said- I'm Are you t-. sure I'm not saying, would you turn in your Bibles? No, I'm pretty sure you say, I'm turning in my Bibles. <laughs> Tell you what. <laughs> oh, man. You're going to have to play this back. I'm going to have to hear this. You you did it on the last sermon. Is that right? Absolutely, you did. So we're going we're oh, to have man. to listen to that. All right. Then we'll know. We'll know exactly what you... Everyone's going to be listening really closely to exactly <laughs> what you say. <laughs> this is good. This is good. Let's pretend you say what I think you're saying, and that is, I'm turning in my Bibles. How many Bibles do you have when you're at the pulpit? I have one. It is singular. So it sounds like you need to change. Have several. Well, you either need to have several (laughs) or you need to say, I'm turning in my Bible. Bible. (laughs) You're going to have to do something (laughs) or nothing. Or fix my grammar. I suppose you could do that. I suppose you could do that. Well- We're going to find out. Okay. It's when you get into your message that you do it. So we've got a really good podcast today. We do. We had a great service last week. We were doing an in-person service again Mm -hmm. and a lot of different elements to it.
1: Well, a lot of it was spur of the moment, depending on who came and what was happening. A few of those are, we have an interview with Mm -hmm. Kate who graduated this year. Yep. So she was our only graduate um, from our church. And uh, she and her family happened to be there on Sunday. So Nathan took a chance and asked, hey, would you be willing to share a few thoughts with us? I'll ask you a couple questions about, you know, what your plans for going ahead. And she was up for it. So it turned out really good.
0: Yeah, that's great. It was was fun to listen to her and just kind of to hear what she's thinking her future looks like and -hmm. and how we can pray for her in that future. Mm -hmm. So that's always nice.
1: And then we had John and Carol, who have been really helpful yep. in the this time of coming back to church, and their daughter was there, and so she sang, Megan, a special number for us.
0: Yeah, she sang Christ, Our Hope in Life and Death, mm-hmm. which is a great song. Mm-hmm. So we'll include that today. You'll be able to hear that. Yep. And then uh, John also had a little scripture reading and prayer for us right. before we got into the message. So a lot of elements. Boy, it's fun to get back to church, isn't it? It was good. Seeing people's faces and having a somewhat of a normal service. That was pretty fun.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It felt really good. Yeah.
0: Now next week, we're going to be outside.
1: Yeah. So who knows what's going to happen then? Yeah.
0: You never know. So I, you know, I, I guess I've been wanting to mention to people listening on the podcast and the radio, Uh, Be patient with us. We're figuring out a lot of the technology and a lot of the sound quality and just figuring out things on the fly. How do we best get what we're trying to do Mm -hmm. across to our listeners when there are so many different elements where there's an interview and then there's special music and then boom, we're going outside and things like that. It's different talking to two audiences at the same time too. Yeah, that's
1: right. And uh, you don't know... What one is really hearing, unless you're you're logged in as and you're in the service. Yeah,
0: you're talking the in-person audience and the Zoom audience. Is right, that what you're saying, right? Yeah, that is interesting. Well, have you felt pressured lately? Yeah, I have. Just right. uh, many different projects going on. It seem mm-hmm. like they have tight deadlines and
1: yeah, pressure at work, pressure at home.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of pressures. Mm-hmm.
1: You think there's maybe summertime would alleviate some of that, but do doesn't seem to happen that way. It's
0: just different pressure. hmm Yeah. Mm-hmm. just changes.
1: Right. And with church comes its own set of pressures too. Yep. Um, for those who are involved. And I guess maybe it comes as a surprise sometimes, but Jesus had a pretty pressured life himself. Maybe you don't think about it because, you know, you think he's the son of God. He must have been able to handle everything. Yeah. And he did handle it. Yeah. But it doesn't mean he didn't feel pressure. Yeah. Um, and this occasion was interesting because he was really at a point where – Crowds were, were mobbing him. Yeah. So we've been familiar with the last couple of weeks, this kind of rioting and just a uh, wild disorder in a, in the streets across uh, America. And it kind of gives you a picture of maybe the desperation of people. And uh, some of that is what's going on in Mark chapter 3 that we're looking at.
0: So we're at Mark chapter 3 verses? 7 to 15. Okay, perfect. Yeah. All right, so we're going to get into our service today. Uh, As we mentioned, you're going to hear a lot of different elements, then we'll be going into Josh's message.
1: Psalm 107 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, and from the north and from the south. Now, he goes on a little further, and he talks about really the different kinds of people that have been redeemed. Redeemed from what? And he says in verse 17, some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food. They drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. By the way, this is a great commentary on where we're going to be in Mark today. Look at verse 20. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. So let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the
2: children of man. We are a couple of weeks past graduation season, but Kate is here this morning and uh, we had planned to do a little video interview of her asking her some questions about her graduation plans. But seeing as she is here, I thought, what better way to ask her than in person in front of our socially distanced church, along with everyone that is attending on Zoom. So, Kate, this is a surprise question. Did COVID-19 affect you at all as a homeschooler?
3: Uh, Not really, no, because I was at Ridgewaters. It didn't really
2: matter to me. (laughs) Okay, it didn't matter? That's that's awesome. Uh, what are your plans for after graduation this summer and then looking into the next fall?
3: Uh, well, this summer, I'm going to continue working as a CNA at Bethesda. And then this fall, I'm going to Crown College to major in nursing with a minor in biblical studies.
2: Wow. All right. So you're following in mom's footsteps as a nurse. Awesome. What do you think of that, mom? Is that She loves it. She got a big smile and thumbs up. All right. So this is a, a bit more of an intense question and uh, we'll see what she does with it. What message of encouragement would you extend to your peers?
3: Um, Well, just especially with the spring with no matter how crazy it gets just to trust God, because he always has a plan for you. Even if it doesn't seem like there's one, there is one. And it'll always work itself out.
2: Awesome. Thank you. As a blessing to the church, can you tell us about any spiritually or relationally significant events or moments in your life that the church has been a part of?
3: Um. Oh, well, my mom and I were talking about this one, and I couldn't really think of anything spiritual because I grew up in a different church. But just when we came here, they were all very welcoming, and they didn't weren't like eh, you know.
2: They weren't like. <laughs> eh.
3: It's just very nice.
2: How can your church pray for you as you move into the quote next phase?
3: Just pray that we get to go to school in the fall and that everything goes well and I don't have any problem with my roommates kind of stuff. Okay.
2: You've met your roommate, correct? One of them. One of them. Okay. Three roommates. Have you ever had to share a room with three other girls?
3: Just two my sisters. I did.
2: Okay. Definitely need to pray for that. All right. Would you all join me in prayer for Kate? Father, um... Kate's a wonderful soul and a beautiful smile, and I've enjoyed getting to know her these last few years. And I ask your richest blessing upon her as she moves into college and dormitory life. I pray that her spiritual life would flourish at Crown College, that as it's a, a Christian liberal arts school, that she might find many believers in which to fellowship in the truth of the gospel, living a life of worship and gratitude, and um, as a new creation in Christ, responding to her Savior in the right way. We ask that you would protect her, and that as she uh, considers new classes and uh, different challenges, and COVID-19 not being the least of those, we ask, Lord, that you'd bless her, that you would allow all of our college students across the country to have some sort of normal that there might be able to have that they might be able to have classes on campus in person uh, that they might be able to to, having gone to a Christian college myself experience what it means to have Christian fellowship it's an amazing thing on Christian campuses being joined together with a body of believers so I pray that Kate would be able to have that experience um, that it might challenge her and that she might challenge her peers pray for her roommates that she's going to be joined together with, that there might be peace uh, relationally between them, that they might all get along. Um, as the many different personalities come into conflict, Lord, may uh, your grace be the undercurrent that leads them uh, as they work through the different issues that are inevitably going to come up, that they might show love and grace to each other uh, in a continual manner, Lord. So I just thank you for Kate, and I thank you for... The testimony that you've given her as a daughter of the King, thank you for the faithfulness of her grandparents and mom and dad and siblings and walking with you. And Lord, we just look forward to seeing what you're going to do in this young woman's life over the next few years. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: All right. Thank you, Kate. Morning, everyone. Welcome this morning. I'm going to be praying again. Before I do that, I'm going to read a verse from First Peter 3.15 kind of goes along with some of the verses that were shared earlier. But it says, uh, 1 Peter three fifteen. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So just again, some thoughts for us as we go through these times and, and have opportunities to, again, give the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So with that, let's bow our heads and go to prayer this morning. Lord, we're thankful that we can be together again this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to get to see uh, each other's faces and and, uh, just be together in person or through the computer and the technology that's available to us in these times. And we just thank you, Lord, that we have a fellowship that uh, wants to be together and that you've given us opportunity to do that. And uh, so, Lord, we we thank you for that. We come before you with humbleness and, again, thanksgiving. We pray, Lord, that you would humble our hearts and help us, Lord, to understand that you are God, that we are going through times that we don't understand, but that we can uh, be grateful that you are in control and that we aren't, because uh, that certainly is better. And we know that, and we just ask that you'd continue to guide us in the things that we're going through we thank you lord for getting us again back to somewhat of normalcy both in our church and in our communities and in our nation and lord we pray that uh, you'd give guidance to us as church and church leaders to go forward and things to do and uh, how, how to move forward we pray for the same for leaders for our nation and 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 areas and, and such to, to know the direction. Uh, Lord, there's all kinds of ideas of, of what should be done and could be done and what should have been done and all those sorts of things. And, and Lord, uh, the leaders too are trying to do their best, I hope, for the most part. And Lord, we just ask that you'd guide them, that you'd help them to do the right things. Lord, we pray for the unrest in our nation. Lord, lots of things happened in the last couple of weeks we pray, Lord, that you would again help us, Lord, as a nation. Help us, Lord, to be sensitive to the to the things that are uh, coming up. It's easy, Lord, to say, get over it, whatever. But, Lord, there is unrest. And, Lord, help us to be, a, be sensitive to that. Help us to know how to move forward as a nation. Guide, guide us, Lord. Help us not to go down paths that are wrong, but, Lord, help us to go down paths that would be give glory to you, and to, and to um, just um, be inclusive of people, and, and Lord, draw us together as a nation instead of divide, dividing us. It seems to be happening, and we just ask for your guidance in that and help in that. And again, pray for our leaders in that way, from the president and and others all the way down. Lord, help us, help them to do the right thing. Lord, there are some things that are fellowship here that would good to pray for we pray for esther lord we pray for the passing of her grandma in india lord it's a hard time for esther and for their family and lord we just pray that you would bless them that you would comfort them that you would be with them please especially with esther's grandpa as he goes through this time and and um, we just ask lord that you would just be with them uh, again. Again, be with Esther too, as she's so far away yet may be able to converse better and and um, communicate better than years ago. And we just pray that that would happen, and that you would just calm their hearts and be with them. Pray for Ben and Bonnie as Ben's going through some tough times, and we pray, Lord, that you would just be with them, be with Ben, help him to get through the time he's going through. I ask, Lord, that you'd give them guidance and. How to move forward, whether it be a, a rest home of some sort or or whatever, Lord, but just uh, bless them and be with them and guide them, Lord. In that, we thank you for the testimony of just we just heard in Kate and uh, Megan, and pray that uh, you'd continue to be with her. We pray for other kids in school and and especially the seniors that have gone through this last season of their high school. Uh, career and, and kind of in a different way and, and uh, in some ways a sad way of not being able to do the things that they normally would have. But Lord, we just pray that the, their character and, and you would help them to grow through this, cause them to uh, understand that uh, you, would, you are still in control, that uh, they need to look to you for their future and their guidance. And I just pray that that would happen. And we pray for the uh, upcoming year too uh, for the school and and all those things the college age kids that um, things would get back to normal that they could be together that you would just guide that and be with that and so Lord we thank you again for this morning we thank you for all you've done for us we thank you for being our Lord our Savior that we can look to you we thank you that we have a hope as uh, has been mentioned in some verses that maybe others don't and in, in the unrest and in the um times we're going through with this covid thing we just pray lord that you would reveal yourself to us and you would reveal yourself to the world lord that you are the answer to our to our um, dilemmas and and the things that we go through we understand the lord that you are in control and that sometimes to move forward with your agenda some of these things happen and lord help us to be um, satisfied with that and not get uh, bent out of shape So, guide us. Again, thank you for this morning, for our service here. Uh, Just bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. I think Megan's
0: going to come and sing now.
5: I'm going to sing a song today called Christ, Our Hope in Life and Death. Um, And the chorus says, Oh, sing hallelujah. Our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah. Now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence That our souls to him belong What holds our days within his hand What comes apart from his command And what will keep us to the end The love of Christ In which we stand, oh sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal, oh sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. what truth can calm the troubled soul god is good god is good and where is his grace and goodness known in our great redeemer's blood who holds our faith when fears arise who stands above the stormy trial? Who sends the waves that bring us nigh Unto the shore, the rock of Christ? Oh, sing hallelujah Our hope springs eternal Oh, sing Christ our hope in life and death unto the grave what shall we sing Christ he lives Christ he lives and what reward will heaven bring and life with him. There we will rise to meet the Lord. Then sin and death will be destroyed, and we will feast in endless joy. When Christ is alive. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. Christ, our hope in life and death.
1: I'm opening my Bibles to Mark chapter 3, if you would turn there. And as you do so, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Lord God, we thank you for faith. Faith that is sung, faith that has been spoken, faith that has been shared, faith that has gotten up this morning, gotten in the car, walked into church, faith that has turned the computer on and logged in, that's joining together with others, seeking you. And Lord Jesus, now we have the opportunity to open this precious book and see your life and learn from it. So we just want to ask for your blessing upon us that whatever faith came in today will go out stronger. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 3, uh, beginning with verse 7. Would you stand with me? Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea, and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You're the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. You can have a seat. Have the pressures been getting to you lately? Pressures in your life? Pressure from bills? Pressure from temptations? Pressure from demands or dreams or ambitions? And where you're at, and where you want to be. We all got pressures, right? And then a lot of those pressures are generated from people, right? There's pressure on moms. Kids have to eat. Kids have to get to school, get to bed, brush their teeth. There's pressure's on dads, right? Pressure from the boss, or pressure as the boss. And then you come to the church and you mingle with others and you realize that everyone else has their own pressures and they share them with you. Between the children, the spouse, the workplace, the church, you may feel at times that you've given all that you've got to give and what's left for yourself. This passage before us today may seem like a, a short and something to gloss over, but it tells me this, that Jesus knows what it means to feel pressed, right? And it shows us how to respond and relieve such pressure. So the text we're in is actually a bit of a transition. Where it's in a segue from one major event to the next major moment. But it has a value in and of itself. There's a lesson here in these few short verses. Okay. Now, in the account of Mark where we've been thus far, if you just looked back a little bit, Jesus has already been dealing with significant pressure right from his own peer group, the the leaders, the teachers of, of Israel, because at nearly every level and at every stage, he seems to be at odds with them. They have a problem with him, what he does or what he says, really who he is. And this came to a head on a particular Sabbath day that we looked at last week when Jesus healed a man with a withered hand. And they stormed out, and they started plotting his death at that point. Now, they had no grounds to excommunicate him from the synagogue, but his action probably banned him from coming back. And actually, as you read the rest of Mark, you realize Jesus rarely goes into a synagogue again to teach. And his attitude towards the teachers has changed. It's obvious that they are against him. They're not listening to him. He's pleaded with them. So now he's more or less an open air preacher. He's outside. And we're going to experience that a little bit next week. We get to be outside. But that's how Jesus now is teaching people wherever they'll gather, whether it's on the hill or the mountain or beside the sea, wherever there's people, he'll be teaching. So in verse 7 we read that Jesus withdrew. He's going out with his disciples to the sea. He leaves Capernaum to a more secluded area by the lake. And the word withdraw suggests that maybe the purpose of this was to find a little relief from that pressure of those teachers who were watching him. A little rest for him and his men. But the text says he did not leave alone. Right? But there was a crowd that followed him. And there's three things about this crowd you might notice, okay? The first is that it's a, a great crowd. See that? A great crowd followed, meaning it's great in number. Galilee itself was believed to be densely populated during Jesus' day, and some estimate that there may have been thousands just from that area, thousands from Galilee. But on top of that, we also note that this crowd is very it's a varied in composition. Did you see how it's made up? Who's in this crowd? You have, not just from Galilee, but Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, which is further south than that, and then beyond the Jordan, and then from around Tyre and Sidon. What this tells me, is, it's a varied crowd. Jesus' fame has spread far and wide, and it includes people from Jewish regions like Judea and Jerusalem, but also some mixed areas of Jew and Gentile, like the Transjordan or like Idumea. But even more shocking is that people from Tyre and Sidon are there. Cities like these were almost completely Gentile in their makeup. So as much as 100 miles away, people have come, to hear Jesus. His fame has grown bigger than John the Baptist at this point. But you know what the makeup of the crowd tells me? You know what it reminds me? That Jesus is the answer, not just for one group of people, right? Well, he's good for you, but he's the answer for all people. And suddenly all the social taboos and all the hostilities, because Jews and Gentiles didn't get along. They kept apart particularly the Jews. They didn't want to have anything to do with Gentiles. But in the wake of seeking out this one man, those taboos and those hostilities seem to be erased. What does Ephesians say about Jesus? For he himself is our peace, right? Who has made us both, that is Jew and Gentile, one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. That's Ephesians 2.14. Now if the world today would ever see unity, and I mean lasting, loving unity. It will only be under the banner of Jesus Christ, who is the just king of all peoples. So as you're talking to people, I want you to be mindful that it's not about you merely pointing them to one side of an argument or a political issue or the other. I know it's easy and tempting to do that these days, right? But what you really ought to be doing is pointing people to Jesus, right? Who he's revealed to be in Scripture, and when people truly follow him the only thing that gets killed is the hostility right Jesus kills the hostility that's Ephesians 2:16 so we have this very great in number crowd and we have this very mixed crowd of people that are following him out with his disciples but you also notice a very a third thing about this crowd right It's kind of implied here but it says that When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. Here's what this implies it's a desperate crowd. Now remember, Jesus is trying to get away from some pressure, but he seems to be leaving one form of it and walking into another handful of it, right? Matthew's account. Adds this detail just to give you a picture of the people that were coming to Jesus. It says, They brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics. So, you name it, it was there. And all these people had heard what Jesus was doing, and they all wanted some of that power for themselves. They came with their own desperate needs. A life of increased ministry will result in a life of increased pressure. Because people with needs are going to show up. And will you meet those needs? Will you shoulder them? I'll tell you what. We can smell pressure coming from a mile off. You can sense it, Right? when ministry gets a little demanding or service or people's needs. And you know what you can do? You can call a retreat. That's one way to respond, right? Get back to my my safe place, my relaxed place, the walls of my house, right? Or retreat to the, the four walls of this church. Retreat to your Bible studies. Maybe they're more comfortable. But such are the places where Ministry also fades, and the opportunity slips by. But a heart that's responsive, okay, that, I mean, that's gripped by seeing the needs of other people, is not going to simply allow for a retreat into non-ministry. It's not an option. It's not an option for Jesus. He's not going to leave this great crowd. Because you see, when he saw the crowds, the Scripture says, that he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd Matthew 9:36 So the first resolve in my message this morning is that you will be over people who respond not with retreat but with the gut compassion of God for people even accepting the pressure that comes with it Yeah, we do need retreats, right? You do need rest. Jesus did too, and we'll see that in a moment. But he also shows us there's going to be times when it's clearly not the time to leave. Not the time to get away. There's going to be occasions when serving the Lord is going to mean that your life is imposed upon. And your schedule is disrupted. Or you've got to stay up a little later or get up a little earlier. That's ministry. That's ministry at service. Did you notice how this great but desperate crowd acts towards Jesus? Jesus is determined to stick around and to minister to them, right, these giant needs facing him. He's not going to take the respite right now, but to make matters all the more challenging, the crowd is not even really interested in listening to him. They're just after one thing, just relieve my pain, just fix my immediate problem. Jesus' teaching is such authority that his words can command physical healing. And he doesn't hold back here. Luke says that uh, power came out from him that day. Power came out from him and healed them all. But such miracles were never the end in and of themselves. It wasn't about that. Okay? They pointed to who he was as the answer for their greater, for their spiritual problem. Hey, do you realize that this is why Jesus never set up a hospital? It would have been the greatest hospital there ever was. Great success, right? 100% success rate. But think about that. Why didn't he ever do that? Because there's something obviously a little more important for him to do. Instead, he moved from place to place teaching people about how to enter God's kingdom. That's more important than remaining here a few more years or relieving that pain. But the crowd, this crowd isn't interested in his teaching. <laughs> you know all those pictures that you see maybe in children's Bibles and so forth of you know the multitudes of people all sitting calmly and listening intently to Jesus, right? On who's on the mountain ridge? Well, well, maybe that was sometimes, but it's hardly the case here. Hardly. This is a mob. Jesus is in the middle of a mob. They're desperate. Because look what he has to do in verse 9. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. And verse 10, for he had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. Hey, and I don't foresee this problem here in Kirkoven of thousands of people rushing upon us, but it would basically be like me telling Nathan, hey, Nathan, get in the car outside and get the engine on and put the windows down, because if I need to make a run for it and jump in, we're ready to get out. It's basically, this is Jesus' getaway boat. If he needs to make a, a leap for it, he can do it. Because the situation of the crowd, it's just, this is wild and it's disorder, right? They're in a frenzy to get to him. So Jesus gets a boat ready just to keep from getting crushed. Okay, the word pressed means to, they're falling on him. They're just falling on him. They're jostling him. So you get the scene, it's not pretty, it's not nice. They're just grabbing at him simply because they know him to be a miracle worker who can free them, right? Benefit them. Now, if that's not pressing enough, Jesus is getting jostled around. The demonic are also in the crowd, right? Verse 11. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. Now, why would a demon call out, you are the son of God. Doesn't that seem counterproductive as an agent of Satan to say what is true? Say, why in the world would they say that? Well, you see, that's the point, who they are. They're the wrong source to be making such a declaration. By the way, God has already said, this is my son. He's already made that plain. Demons were not to be trusted. You shouldn't listen to what a demon says. But it's also the wrong time. It's the wrong source. It's also the wrong time. Because Jesus' identity as the Son of God isn't fully known until he goes to the cross. And that hasn't happened yet. So you see, what they're actually doing is trying to subvert the mission of Jesus. It's not that what they said isn't true. It is true. He is the Son of God. And that's the irony. The demons know it here, and the crowd is clueless. People have missed it. But their intention, these spiritual forces, is to get Jesus the praise and the fame before it's time. But Jesus must be humbled before he's exalted. So Jesus silences them. So you get the picture then, right? You've got sick people falling on top of him. He's getting rushed and he's getting mobbed. And at the same time, demon-possessed people are howling at him, right, in an effort to derail him from his purpose. So Jesus knows pressure. He can understand your modern situation. But what he teaches us is not to retreat when needs come upon us, even when they impose upon us, because that's the nature of ministry, right? But to accept it and to trust God to give you all the enablement you need for it, all the patience and the love and the joy that's needed to work with pressures around us. But Jesus also teaches us the importance of how life's pressures are diffused. Okay, Because the second resolve in this message is that he teaches us how to relieve the pressure in the right way, in a wise way. Okay? So notice that Jesus demonstrates this for us um, in three steps. He does three things here. Verse 13, And he went up on the mountain after this whole crazy day. And he went up on the mountain. And later, he's going to call to him those whom he desired. But the first thing is just that Jesus got off alone. He got off alone. Even Jesus needed time by himself. Time to rest. And by the way, you do realize that the physical energy of Jesus was not supernatural. No, the work that he did was supernatural. He did miracles, obviously. It's supernatural. But his energy, physically, it wasn't supernatural. If that was the case, then Scripture would never tell us that he got tired or he got hungry or that Jesus slept. But did Jesus sleep? Yeah, he did. Because if all his strength to labor was simply because he's divine, he has a divine nature, then what example would he be to us? But no, the Scripture says, in every way he became like us. And like us, Jesus also needed times away. So his place of solace was the mountaintop. Now you'll realize when he goes and ascends on a mountain, it's usually because something significant is going to happen. We're going to look at that more next week. But what's it for you? Is it a, a park bench outside or a special room in the house? It's just a place to be alone for a few moments. Luke adds that he went up on the, on the mountain in that evening, right? And he spent the whole night there. But... Not just there by himself, but it was what he was doing there. In Luke 6:12, he says, "He spent the night in prayer." So getting alone is not the last step, it's the first step, because the next is communion with God. Jesus prayed. He prayed on that mountain. So, let's stop treating prayer. As the last and optional resort. Now, you would think a global crisis, a national crisis, all that unrest that's going on, on top of all the other troubles that you've got in your life, that there would be a more obvious drive for us to devote ourselves to praying. Well, what else do you need? You need a farming crisis? Would that help us pray a little more? That's a huge gap in our church. I don't know if you've noticed this. That we're, It just seems that we're not needy enough. And it's obviously not our schedules, right? Because those have been pretty much blown wide open, unless you've started to fill it up with other things already. Now, I've also noticed this, that we're very good about showing up for business meetings. Attendance is great, but we've got a business meeting to do. Okay. But when we call the church to pray together, just to get together and pray, it's kind of like, all right, church, let's, let's pray together. Church? Church! Where are you? Why is that? Why are we so good about showing up for business meetings? And we're so bad about showing up for prayer. It's almost like you enjoy doing church more than you actually enjoy God himself. Isn't that prayer? Enjoying God? Communing with God? Well, Christians pray. Okay? They pray alone, and they pray together. It doesn't have to be a formal time like every Wednesday night. We make that available, but when you get together with other believers, pray together. And what often happens is that prayer together revitalizes our prayer alone. It spurs us on to say, you know what, man, I, do, I love that time of praying. I'm going to get alone with God myself. And listen, such praying is not perfect. When you pray together with other people, it's not perfect words or sentences. Our prayers are weak and often feeble. And you'll see that. But I love this promise that God supplies his spirit in my weakness. When I don't know what to pray or how to pray, he'll help me pray. Even if it means just showing up and listening to others pray, that's okay too. But I'm asking you because there's goodness and there's a rich blessing in praying in the company of Christians. So get in on it whenever and however. Jesus prayed, okay, and was therefore able to continue on in the midst of such a pressured life. And by the way, his prayers almost certainly were guiding towards this last step that you'll notice today. Number three, well, it says, right, he, he called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him, in verse 14, and he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, and have authority to cast out demons. So those 12 disciples haven't actually formed yet in our story of Mark. This is the time where he selects those 12 men, Right? And we're going to look at this more next week on Father's Day and who these guys were, these specific men that Jesus chose for himself. But what I just want to point out today is that the last thing that Jesus did was appointed others who would share the ministry load, right? He distributed the weight of his ministry with a select group of other people. It's like what Paul told Timothy, right? And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust it to other faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So as the loads of life and ministry increase, we then have a responsibility to share it with other people. Moses learned that lesson, right, from his father-in-law. It's too much for you to handle. Distribute it, to appoint other people who can carry the load for you. Otherwise, you're going to burn out. Wise words, it's wise actions. So those three things Jesus did. He got alone, he prayed, and he appointed others to the ministry. So, two things, right? Resolve to respond with compassion, even when it imposes on you. Put that in your back pocket. There's going to come a day when it starts to impose on you. But secondly, don't forget, you need to resolve to relieve that pressure in the right way, to get along, to pray, and to share the load with other people. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for the example of Jesus as he dealt with an immense kind of pressure, crowds of people. I would have been on that boat and out of there before they even showed up. But as Jesus saw those needs, he had compassion for them. And I guess that's what I'd like to pray for today is that we'd be able to see people with compassion and not call a retreat, but respond to them. Help them. Listen to them. Yeah, we are weak and we are limited. But Lord, you have left us here, your church, to be your representatives. So supply us the grace that's needed. That we can represent you well. God, thank you that we could follow in Jesus' footsteps today. And our hope then is that we would walk in the same way he walked. We ask this in your Son's name. Amen. Well, then, in the face of such pressures, God tells us, and we looked at this a few weeks back, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. cares for you today. So continue on. Be strengthened in the name of Jesus for His work that He's called you to do. It's not over. We have work to be done, right? Lord Jesus, thank you for today. It's been good. Good to hear from your people. Good to sing. Good to read the word. So thank you, Lord, for encouraging us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.